be opening up uh, in our text today, 2 Corinthians 8. How many of you guys love your Bibles? Oh, come on. How many of you love, love the Word of God? We're going to start in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 1 through 6. Chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. It says this, we want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. And so to give some context to this, this takes place in Macedonia. And uh, this is a country where cities and churches um, that were in great need, they were in great need. So Paul recognizes that they were in great need. Um, and he encourages them with specific churches in, in the region um, about what generosity really looks like and what that should look like. So that's kind of some context to this. But uh, it says, in, we want, to, want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought, by, brought about by affliction, their abundant joy, and their extreme poverty overflowed. Somebody shout overflowed. Overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Verse 3. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability and of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. So today, as we continue our series, The Violence of Good, I want to speak to you on the subject of paradox and pressure. Paradox and pressure. As we look at what true generosity looks like, even when we are under pressure. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, we thank you, Lord, for every individual that's in this room today. Father, we know that they are not here by accident, but they're here by design and by purpose. So, Father, today I thank you, Lord, for every individual that's in this room, that, that as I speak your word, that ears are open, that hearts are open to receive what you have for them today. Father, I get rid of any anxiety, any nerves that would hinder me from preaching your word this morning. I thank you, Lord, that lives are changed because of your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So as I was studying for um, uh, this message I just kind of started just reviewing and, and um, just researching what, 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 what it looks like to be under pressure. What it looks like to be under pressure. And this is, um, this is a commentary. Um, this is what he says. People don't realize the power of generosity. Generosity is a paradox. People have the perception that it takes from them. But in reality, generosity is one of the most life-giving things you can do for yourself and others. Giving makes us feel happy. A 2008 study by Harvard Business School professor Michael Norton and colleagues found that giving money to someone else lifted participants' happiness more than spending it on themselves, despite participants' prediction that spending on themselves would make them happier. Americans who describe themselves as very happy volunteer an average of 5.8 hours per month. Those who are unhappy, just 0.6 hours. There are lower depression rates among Americans who donate more than 10% of their incomes, and giving away money isn't the only way to reap the psychological rewards of generosity. Americans who are very giving in relationships, being emotionally available and hospitable, are much more likely to be in excellent health. In a 2008 study on elderly couples, they found that those individuals who provided practical help to friends, relatives, or neighbors, or gave emotional support to their spouses had a 44%, 44% lower risk of dying over a five-year period than those who didn't. So that goes to show me just generosity in itself. And, and, and I, I want to be careful 
about, about this message because when I say generosity, this is not just a message about money and about giving. This is about a spirit and an attitude behind generosity. So today we're going to take a look, um, if, if, you, if you would, with me. I'm going to be a little bit more teaching today and, and just kind of getting in. But we, I want to take a look at what it looks like to really have a generous spirit, what that looks like in our lives. And so um, my first point is this. Everybody shout number one. Number one, in generosity we show kindness. In generosity we show kindness. Acts 10 30 to 35, and this is the amplified version, it says this. Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in a house during the ninth hour. And at that time, that's between 3 and 4 p.m. And a man in a bright, dazzling, um, dazzling clothes suddenly stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your acts of charity have been remembered before God. So that he is about to help you. Therefore, send word to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon, the tanner, by the sea. Verse 33. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here, present before God, to listen to everything that you have been instructed by the Lord to say. Gentiles hear good news. Opening his mouth, Peter said, Most certainly I understand now that God is not one to show partiality to people, as though Gentiles were excluded from God's blessing. Verse 35, but in every nation, the person who fears God and does what is right by seeking him is acceptable and welcomed by him. So in generosity, we show kindness. This shows me in this text that God is no respecter of, of persons. God's no respecter of, of people, meaning it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what type of, of job you have. It doesn't matter what's, what's in your bank account, the status of your bank account. We should always show kindness to those that are around us. And God sees that. And I love this, this illustration. This is about paying it forward. A study by James Fowler of the University of California, San Diego, and Nicholas Christakis of Harvard, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science, shows that when one person behaves generously, when one person behaves generously, it inspires observers to behave generously later toward different people. In fact, the researchers found that selfless acts could spread by three degrees. Selfless acts can spread by three degrees from person to person to person. So just imagine this. Just imagine everyone in this room. If we were to live out a generous life, if we were to be kind to those around us. It says this. This is just from a study. This is not even the word of God. This is from a study that when we're generous to people, when we're kind to people, it goes well beyond us. It spreads from people to people to people, to person to person to person. So that means that when I'm generous to somebody that's at my, in my workplace, or when I'm generous to my spouse, or when I'm generous to the people that are around me, that it goes well beyond them. In generosity, we show kindness. And I love this. It says, um, from person to person to person, as a result, they write, each person in a network can influence dozens or even hundreds of people. Each person in this church can affect dozens or hundreds of people. You, sitting down right now in your seats, you can affect dozens or hundreds of people. That's what the church is supposed to be. That when we go out of these four walls, the, uh, this, this building, I say it all the time, this building is not the church. You are the church. And so when you go out into your spaces and places, you can impact this city. You can reach hundreds of people. And you say, okay, well, I, I don't know if I can do that. 
Because, oh, you're the one with the mic. You can, you're talking aloud to all of us at once. But no, you can do that. How many people do you work with? How many people are you going to school with? How many people are around you every single day that you can be sharing the love of Christ to? And so we can affect our city. We can change our city with that. So I love that, that it reaches, it goes well beyond us. And so here at the well, we, are, we, we, are, we love just being generous. We are a generous church. That's the reason why when I set foot into this house over a year and a half ago, I'm like, man, this is, you can see it. It's just here. Like, people are friendly. People are greeting you at the door. People, we do that on purpose. Why? Because we're a generous church. We want to show acts of kindness. So when you leave here, we want you to feel something. We want you to be able to walk out of these doors and be encouraged to go and live your life fully equipped with kindness. So I love that. In generosity, we show kindness. Have you ever been around someone that kind of, that's always, like, very happy? Like, that's like, like that, there's always that one person that's in your life that's, like, that is kind of like gets on your nerves when you're like frustrated and you're like, man, like I don't, I don't want to be happy today. You go to work and you're frustrated. Nothing's turning out right. You're late and everything's just wrong. And then you have that buddy. It's like, hi, buddy. How you doing? What's up, dude? It's like, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. Don't talk to me. I'm, I'm bitter. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. You have that person that's in your life that just kind of just rubs you the wrong way. That just rubs you the wrong way. But then at the end of the day, by the end of the day, you find yourself like all giddy and happy because you've been around that person all day long. Why? Why is that? It's because their kindness just passed it on to you. I love it because Pastor Erica, she always calls me, she calls me the fun pastor. And I'm, I'm like always like trying to make things fun. And I'm like, I'm like, what way can we have a party? Like, what, can we celebrate this moment? Can we have a party? Do, can we have a candy bar? Like, what? Like, can we just celebrate? We're on the second week. We should have a party. Like, let's rejoice. We're so excited. Like, six people said yes. Let's throw a party. Like, I'm just like always trying to think about throwing a party and having fun. Because I, I just know, like, this world is so, it's, 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 there's so many things happening in our lives. There's so much frustration and, and worry and pain and, and different things that are happening in your lives. I don't know your individual story, but I know that our lives aren't perfect. But I, I love it when she, when she first recognized that in me because I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. I am the fun pastor. <laughs> like, I believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured. Our lead pastor says it all the time. Pastor Jason's like, I believe that church should be enjoyed, not endured. That we should walk in here and we should feel excited about what's happening in this house. That we should be so encouraged and so inspired to go out and live our daily life. And so I believe that, that church can be fun. We shouldn't be sitting in here and just be like, oh, we should, maybe we should sing some hymns next week so you guys can just go, ah. No, like it's, worship is, is an experience. We have fun. Why? We see people jumping up and down because we're joyful. Right? We show acts of kindness. And so I love that. Like I am the fun pastor. So if you're feeling down. If you're feeling down and out and discouraged, like, we'll throw a party. We'll go have some coffee. We'll celebrate. We'll have a good time. Come on. So I love that. But you've been around those people, and it's like their acts of kindness just spew out onto you. It's like you just change. Like something just happens by the end of your day, and you're like, I'm excited about life. But that's what the church should be. That's what we should be. We should be showing acts of kindness and generosity. Everybody show number two. In generosity, we sacrifice. In generosity, we sacrifice. And you guys are like, oh, sacrifice. Oh, okay. He talked about kindness. I can do that one. But oh, I'm, I'm stepping on your toes today. We sacrifice. In generosity, we sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 16 says this. Don't neglect. This is Bible. This is not my opinion. This is Bible. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share. Everybody say share. Don't neglect to do what is good and share. For God is pleased with such sacrifices. 
not all generosity is sacrificial. Not all generosity is sacrificial. Um, this, this is kind of funny to me, but um, my wife and I, we, uh, my wife is vegan, for those that don't know that. So I'm going to set that up right now. My wife is vegan. I know there's some vegan people in here. Yes, right there, my buddy. Does. Yes, oh, you're vegan too? Come on, somebody. Whoa, you should throw a vegan party. Have fun. And all the meat eaters will come to my house. All right. <laughs> so my, my, my wife is vegan. And so um, a lot of times, like, we'll order pizza. Pizza's like her favorite food. And so we'll order pizza and whatnot. And so since she's vegan and I'm not, I love meat and cheese. So at the moment, I was vegan for nine months. So hooray. Wow. Not anymore. So if you want to pray for that to happen, cool. But uh, so my wife is vegan. And uh, uh, so we, we order pizza all the time. And, and um uh, when we order it, she, she obviously can't eat the, the meat and cheese. And so what we have to do is I have to take, she takes the meat and cheese off of hers and she gives it to me, right? Because I love meat and cheese. And so it just works out perfectly. Hers is kind of boring. It's just sauce and bread. So why would you want to eat that? But anyways, that's a whole other topic. That's a whole other story. But so we always share, and she, but she loves bread. Like she's a bread eater through and through. Like she's vegan, but she loves some carbs. So she loves bread, and so I don't too much care for the crust or whatnot. I just want the meat and the cheese. And so uh, typically we'll just share. Like, it's just a normal thing. So we've been doing it. So we've been almost married for six years. And from the beginning, we just, we just share. Like, we're just like, okay, hey, take out. she takes the meat and cheese off, and I give her my crust. It's just like, bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, it's just done. And uh, so t- that's, not, that's not sacrificial. That's not sacrificial. Why? Because that's just a normal thing. We just do that. That's just a normal occurrence in our everyday life. But on the other hand... I love me some french fries. I love, so if you want to give me a gift and you want to bring me some french fries on Sunday morning, go for it. I will eat them up. But potatoes is my favorite food. It's always been my favorite food. So I love french fries. So this, this uh, when we started dating and whatnot, um, we would always go to the drive-thru and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get some fries. And I would always ask her, I'd be like, babe, do you want some french fries? And she's like, no, I don't, I'm fine. You just get your french fries. I'm good. Okay, so we, get my, we go through the drive-thru or whatever. I get my french fries, right? The moment I get them into my hand, what does she, she wants french fries. And she's like, she just ends up taking them. I'm like, you, I asked you. I asked you if you wanted french fries. And the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like, that's it. Like, if you wanted them, I could have got them for you. If not, let your no be no, let your yes be yes. Thank you. Done. But the moment I get them, it's like something just comes over. She always says, she's like, they always just taste better when they're yours. I'm like, that's a lie. That is a lie. And so I learned very quickly. It's so funny because in, when we got married, um, my, my past, the pastors that married us, they, uh, they did like these funny vows. And they, they vowed that I would never have to share my French fries. And I said, thank you, Jesus. These are the pastors I love. Like, I don't have to share my French fries. You get your own? That's good. Like, it's fine. It's $1.50. I can spend an extra dollar fifty. You get your own, whether you eat them or not. Like that's fine. And so, but to me, like that's that's when I give away my French fries. As silly as it sounds, that's sacrificial to me. Why? Because I love French fries. Like those are my thing. That's like my gift. Like I want those French fries. Like I'm all about it. Um, I love my French fries, and I'm like, you can have your own. Like that's so simple. Like get your own French fries. Um, but to me, that's 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 a sacrificial act. And I know that's funny, but it goes even deeper than that. It goes even deeper than that. Some of you are looking at me like right now and you're like, I don't, oh, you're talking about french fries. Like that's not really sacrificial. But for some of us, it's more. We don't want to give up our time. 
We don't want to be sacrificial with our time. We want to just come and just do whatever we want. We're on our own schedule. We just want to do whatever suits us. So we're not, we don't want to give up our time. Some of us don't want to give up our finances. Some of us just want to hoard things and just, and just, you know, what we worked for, we earned it. It's ours. It's not, it's not mine to give. Ours. It's, it's, I don't want to give it. I don't, I, this is mine. Like, I want to hoard this. Some of us don't, don't, don't want to go feed the homeless. Some of us just, just want to sit in our beds on a Saturday morning and, and God's saying, go feed the homeless. Make 10 sandwiches and go, go feed the homeless. Like a lot of us are waiting on the church to do all these things. We're waiting on the church to build an outreach and say, okay, well, we're going to go feed the homeless together. And although that's great and we do that, we have to hear at the well every single year we have what's called serve your city. And we go out and, and we just serve our city one day and we just spend so much time and effort. There are those times where we do that. But God has called you to do outreach. God has called you to go into the spaces and places of your world and reach the city. And so you don't need the church to say, okay, like it's time to do that. No, you go and do that. Why? Because that's a commandment. That's what God has called us to do. God has called us to go reach our city. Some of us don't want to give up our knowledge. You went to school all these years. You have so much knowledge. You have so much biblical knowledge, but you don't want to give it up. You don't want to start a table group. Come on. You're just sitting, you're sitting in with all this knowledge, and God's poured so much into you, but you don't want to share it with others. Some of us don't, don't want to give, get up early enough to spend some time with Jesus. Come on. Serious. Some of us don't want to spend an extra 10 minutes and just get into the word and say, Lord, I give you this day. I get on my knees. I seek your face because you are good. You are great. Some of us don't want to give up, give up that time and, and spend a little bit more time with Jesus. Why? Because sacrificing is not easy. It goes against our human nature. It goes against what we think is right. It goes against everything that's inside of us to sacrifice. And I love this, this, this picture. Um, this makes me uh, think of the time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he, and he said this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, yet not my will, but yours be done. I could just imagine Jesus just in the garden, just getting ready to endure the cross, just going on and just thinking about all that he was, the pain, the anxiety, the fear, everything that was going to be oppressed on him. And I could just picture him in the garden just crying, crying out to God, Lord, Lord, like let this cup pass from me, please. Like I don't want to sacrifice, but... Your will. Your will be done. Your will be done. I'll do it, Lord, if, if it's what you want. I'll do it if it's your purpose, if, if it's your plan, if it's your will for my life. I'll do it. And he's just crying in, in, in agony and pain and, and fear. And he's like, Lord, but it's not my will. It's not about me. I'm going to endure in the cross because I'm what? I'm going against my human nature. I'm going against what goes against the grain. I'm going against everything. I'm going against it. Why? Because there's a greater purpose. And so when we're living a generous life, we know that there's greater purpose in our generosity. So generosity is sacrificial. I love this. In the Bible, the word sacrifice is mentioned over 7,000 times. 7,000 times the word sacrifice is used in the word of God. And so that, that shows me right there that we should be a people that are always sacrificing. That when you wake up in the morning, you're sacrificing. If you're married, you're sacrificing for your spouse. That if you have family and you have kids, you're sacrificing for your kids. That if you have friends that don't know Jesus, you're sacrificing for them. You're loving on them. You're reaching them. If you have it on, on your heart to reach the homeless, that you're sacrificing for them. On Saturdays, you're making 10 sandwiches and you're going to pray over the homeless. 
Why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live out the commandment that Jesus told us to do. We're supposed to walk out this earth. Come on, somebody. This is my next point. Everybody shout number three. Generosity is seen in the heart. Generosity is seen in the heart. Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4, it says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. See, a lot of times at church we're trying to do things to be seen by men. We're trying to do things because it's, it's just a good thing to do. And we say, oh, I did that one good act. And we put it, we put it on our social media. And, we, and that's, that's all great. That's awesome. But what's, what's the intention behind it? What's, where's your heart? Where does your heart lie? If you didn't get applause from any man, approval from any man, if I didn't get approval from our lead pastors, Pastor Jason and Eric, I would still be doing this today. Why? Because I know the mission and the vision and the heart behind where we're headed. I'm not doing this for man. I'm doing this because Jesus has placed me in this position. And so what you're, when you go out to the spaces and places of your life, why are you doing those things? Why are you reaching the city? Why are you feeding the homeless? Why are you doing that? It's, it's, it's an attention check. Every morning I get up and I'm like, Lord, let, let, let my intentions be right. I love how David always said, he always prayed, Lord, search my heart. Why do he always pray that? It's because he knew that out of the abundance of his heart, everything flowed. And so when we have this infused in our heart, when this is infused in our heart, generosity, everything spews out. Everything comes from our heart. Everything is placed in our heart. So I love that. So we don't do our acts of kindness to be, to be known and seen by men, but we do our acts of kindness because Jesus has commanded us to do those things. It's because he's commissioned you. He says, go into the earth and preach the gospel. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to go to Bible college to go minister to people. You don't have to have that. Like, you don't have to have a certain amount of hours to be tested and tried. No, like, God said, you go. He sent you. He's paved the way for you to go. So I love that. Generosity is seen in the heart. This is my last point. I'm going to take a little bit more time with this one. Everybody shout number four. Generosity is displayed under pressure. And I'm going to have this, this table come up. And can I have uh, Braylon, um, let's do Evan, and then Amber. Can you come up here for an example? So generosity is displayed under pressure. And I'm going to go back to um, our opening scripture because I believe that this is, this is something that I really want to get us to see. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6, it says this. And you guys can just stand there and look nice for a second. <laughs> I'll explain just in a minute. Um, but actually, while, while I'm reading this, you guys can just, get, you grab the orange, you grab the lemon, and then you grab the grapefruit, okay? Um, and just squeeze it and start, like, don't cut it yet. Just squeeze it, start getting the juices flowing, you know, like, you know how to do it, you know what I'm saying? All right. So 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6, it says this. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe 
trial. Now, this is what I want to get us to see in verse 2. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy. Somebody shout joy. Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So that shows me, even in their trials, even in their affliction, even in their pain, they still showed generosity. And a lot of us are waiting for a status to happen in our lives. We're waiting for it to get to a certain point. We're waiting to reach a certain point with our finances. We're waiting uh, to reach a certain point in our marriage. We're waiting to reach a certain point. It's always like we're always trying to go to the next level, right? But this shows me that even in their affliction, even in their pain, even in their sorrow, even in their frustration, what? They were still generous. Under pressure, they were still generous. So I have these guys representing. So this, this is my boy Braylon. He's representing orange and orange. So he's going to squeeze orange juice out of here. So what that represents to me is, is sweetness. It represents um, being kind. It represents um, a good taste. And then we have lemon. This is Amber. Everybody say, hi, Amber. <laughs> and she represents a lemon. So she's sour. Very negative. It's that person where it comes in a room and she's just so negative and, and just fresh, frustrated and just sour. Like it just puts a bad taste in your mouth. Like the person that you encounter that you don't want to encounter ever again, that's Amber, okay? So sour. Not really, but right here with lemon. And this is my boy Evan. And he represents grapefruit. So he represents bitterness. So people that are jaded with the church. That have been bitter with the church. That have been frustrated with things happening. That, that everything didn't go the way that they wanted it to go. Frustrated with leadership. Frustrated with this. Frustrated with that. So they end up, end up becoming bitter. And frustrated with life. So he represents bitterness, sour, and sweet. And so what I want you guys to do is I want you to cut it in half. And so these, these, these guys represent different things. And so each of these, these show a story. We've all been, in, in some way, we've all gone through something like this. We've all gone through bitterness in some way, shape, or form. We've all experienced somebody that's been sour and negative. And the person that doesn't light up the room. It's like they're, they're so negative that you just feel so frustrated when you leave. And then we always have been around that fun person that's so sweet and that's so kind. And so what I want us to get us to see in this picture, that... It's what's inside you that comes out. It's what's inside you that comes out. And so if you, if you have bitterness inside you, like the grapefruit, what's going to come out of it? Grapefruit juice, bitterness, a bitter taste. If you're, if you're sour, what's going to come out of the lemon? Sour. Sour taste. That, that person that puts a bad taste in your mouth. If you, if you um, the orange, it, it represents somebody that's sweet. And so it's what's inside you that comes out. So my question is to you, what's inside you? What's inside you? When pressure in life and life hits you hard, what's inside you? What's in your heart? What comes out of you? What comes spewing out of you? When, when you're under pressure, do you say, okay, I can't serve today because I'm so frustrated. I won't be able to make it to church. There's so much that's been happening in my life. And I get that things happen in your life. I get that we don't live a perfect life, that frustration sets in. But in those moments of frustration, are you still joyful? Are you still the person that, that reaches out to people and loves on people because that's what you've been called to do? Are you the person that becomes bitter with what's around you? What's in your heart? What's in your heart? So I want you guys to squeeze, squeeze that into a cup. Don't make a mess. Thank you. <laughs> and I'll have the band come up. You guys can come up as we close. 
And I want to read this one more time, but this is in the message version. It's, it's 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6. In, in just a minute, you guys can drink that. <laughs> it says this in, in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 6, and this is the message translation. I just, I just felt like it just pictured this so well. It says, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia province. Troubles came down on the people of, of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. So trial exposed their true colors. So when you're in a trial, when things, when life is hitting you hard, when situations come knocking on your door, what comes out? So I love that. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. Incredibly happy, but desperately poor. Paradox and pressure. Incredibly happy, but lacking financially. Incredibly happy, but lacking in their family life. Incredibly happy, but lacking in their friends. Incredibly happy, but lacking but desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected. An outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. Verse 5 through 7. This was totally spontaneous. Entirely on their own, spontaneous. So that means that, that this wasn't, like, this wasn't a, an outreach plan by the church. This wasn't something that the pastors put on. It, this wasn't something that the leadership team put on. No, this happened spontaneously. Because why? What was in their heart? This was totally spontaneous, entirely on their, their own idea. And caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves undeservedly to God. They first gave of themselves to God. So every day they gave first to him. They said, Lord, I'm seeking you. This day is your day. I choose to seek you. I choose to love on you. I choose to worship you. So they gave themselves undeservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. So it was an outflow of God already working in their lives, what he already did. It was an outflow from that place. Their other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention. So that what was so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in so many things. You trust God. You're articulate. You're insightful. You're passionate. You loved us. Now do your best in this too. Perhaps what Jesus was trying to get us to see in this passage is, is that wealth isn't the main ingredients of having joy. Being rich isn't the main ingredients to having joy. I, see, I, I hear my friends and stuff, and we usually we joke around all the time, and they always say, you know, if I win the lottery, I'd give so much to the church. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because if you're not giving now, what, what, makes, what makes you think that you'll give when you win the lottery? 
People say it all the time. I, I sit down with people and I'm like, okay, well, I, I can't wait to give. Like, I'm going to wait, wait for this to happen. I'm going to wait for this to happen in order to be generous. No, but God has called you to be generous already. It doesn't matter what you have in the bank account. It doesn't matter the status of your job. It doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. Those are just temporary things. Generosity is from the heart. And so as we're reaching these places, as we're reaching this downtown corridor, come on, can we be a generous church that reaches out in our city that's not bitter, that's not sour, but that is so sweet that we leave an impression on people's hearts. Let's say, I want to be a part of that family. I want to be a part of those people. I want to be a part. Why? Because we're living this out. We're being sacrificial. We're being generous with what God has given us. Joy. Joy is on the inside. That's what's in our heart. Joy is on the inside. And so can we be that church? I said it last week. We are that church. We're that church that's so joyful that we have fun. That church is meant to be enjoyed and not endured. Come on, somebody. So you guys can go ahead and drink those and tell me how it tastes. <laughs> not bad, sweet. Lemon juice. You're Hispanic, so you're fine. <laughs> but can you guys give them a hand real quick while they hit? Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. And so our true character is revealed under pressure. And so this week, I want us to go out and ask God, Lord, like when I'm under pressure, when anxiety sets in, when fear is coming, when, when my finances and my bank account isn't looking right, Lord, can you allow me to be a person that is joyful no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing. Lord, can you, can you be, can I be that person that is so joyful that when I encounter people that something rubs off on them, that they sense the love of God, that they sense who Jesus is. Can I be that person under pressure? When anxiety, when fear and frustration hit, can we be those people that are spewing out joy no matter what situations we face, no matter what happens in our life? Can we be that church? Come on. Can we be that church that gives no matter what's happening? Can we be a church of generosity that reaches our city and impacts this city for the glory of God? Come on. Can we be that church? Will you stand with me to your feet as we close?